Hey church, it's so good to see you guys tuning in this morning. Welcome to Youth Sunday, the Mass Singing Edition. Hey, it's Youth Sunday is going to look very different this year, hasn't it? It's just a, a weird time for us to be in, but I'm really believing that God is really going to do something powerful in this service, and I'm believing for young people to you know, witness the hope of Jesus as I preach the Word. And I actually want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, uh, it's not too late, share this stream on your Instagram, your Facebook feed, because we want as much people to hear this message of hope. And uh, you know, God's really put something in my heart for every single person to hear this morning. So, you know, let's not let this opportunity go to waste and let's share it onto our feet. And who knows what God's going to do with that. Amen. And, uh, you know, I hope you guys are enjoying the Masked Singer that we um, put on for you guys. And uh, if you missed any of those snippets of our Masked Singers uh, performing, I want to encourage you to jump on our Instagram and we've got them all there ready for you to check out. And uh, make sure you cast your votes for your chances to win that. Okay. Awesome. But hey, I want to introduce myself. Um, I know there may be people tuning in this morning that don't know who I am. And my name is Jordan. I'm the youth pastor here and I pastor a youth ministry called Fungus with my amazing wife, Ruth. And, and actually, we welcomed a new baby into the world this year. Uh, his name is Noah Manolo, and he is a blessing and a joy. And actually, we've been getting some decent sleep, not going to lie. Uh, and our first child that we had is Judah Zechariah, and he's a joy as well. And uh, we've been keeping him at home during lockdown, particularly because, you know, daycares aren't letting uh, kids in at daycare right now. So uh, it's been good to have him at home and been able to spend time together as father and son. So uh, really positive um, things from lockdown actually and uh, you know our youth ministry as well we've been going through a shift and a change in the season and it's it's a strange time and we as a leadership team have been um, remodeling the way that we run youth ministry and uh, it's just uh, actually a joy and a privilege for us as a team to be able to strategize and really work together in a way that um, helps young people uh, engage with the church in a time where it's so important. So I want to really give a shout out to all of our fungus leaders um, and all the time that they put in to help um, run our youth ministry. So wherever you are, let's just give them a round of applause for all that they're doing. You guys are amazing. Uh, but you know, it's just been a joy. Uh, and at the end of the day, all we really want is to engage with high schools in this time. And you know, as we um, commune together on a regular throughout the week we've been trying different things and hanging out with them as much as we can and i'm believing that as we come out on the other end that we'll be so well connected with these teenagers that we'll be able to disciple them well and uh, be able to lead them to jesus because you know really loving and celebrating young people are one of the key things in discipling them well you know it's funny a lot of people ask me you know when, when i tell them that i'm a youth pastor they always give me this look. They always ask me, why would you do such a thing? Why would you sacrifice every Friday night on a regular basis, even to go out on camps and spend days and nights just hanging out with teenagers? And you know, I look back and I think, I couldn't really see myself do anything else. There's so much joy because I really believe in the next generation. I know that that there is so much potential in high schoolers that they can actually have a positive impact in this world and in society. And for a quick moment, I want to acknowledge some high schoolers who actually took part in a sleep out that we uh, initiated in term two with um, partnering with Mission Australia. And you know, throughout the sleep out, we saw a whole bunch of young people uh, get on board onto this movement where basically all they had to do was sacrifice a night of sleep 
in order to raise funds and awareness of the realities of homelessness in this nation. And, you know, it's such a great thing to see and I'm encouraged as a youth pastor to see young people do it. And I took part in it myself and can I say it is hard. And the fact that young people are doing this really goes to show that they can make a difference. Amen. And uh, I want to thank everyone who actually uh, got on board and donated and really supported and uh, our young people as they took part in this cause. Without you guys, we actually wouldn't have been able to bust our goal of $5,000. So again, give you guys, give yourselves a round of applause, guys. Amazing, amazing. Young people can make a difference. I really believe that. All it really takes is for someone to believe in them. For many, you know, more than ever, they need to know that we as a church believe in them. That we as a church are there to fight for them. Because the reality is, the reality is young people are looking elsewhere for this affirmation. Young people are, are looking to their phones, to their social media. And I, I know you guys are aware of the, the increasing rates of Netflix consumption, social media consumption, gaming, all of this is on the rise. And I know you guys have heard that already, but, and I want to say that these, these things aren't bad, but we can really see that sin is beginning to thrive. Sin is starting to take advantage of the complacency and the vulnerability of a generation. And it's funny, we can easily, we can easily blame a pandemic. We can easily point fingers uh, due to a viral outbreak and just point fingers at it. But let us not forget the real issue. The real issue that dates back to the beginning of time. The fact of the matter is we, as a mankind, had a choice. But we chose ourselves over God. And as we look through that lens this morning, we can't help but look to the only person the only proven vaccine that will bring hope, that will bring forth restoration, and that will break the curse of sin forevermore. Friends, can I say that you can find it in a God, in a person, and His name is Jesus. You know, in my time as a youth pastor, there have been some interesting conversations that have taken place between myself and and teenagers over the years and one comes to mind in particular I remember this high schooler just out of the blue called me out of nowhere and it straight away you could tell that this young teenager was distressed I remember all he could tell me uh, at that moment was that he was pretty much about to give up he had lost hope he had grown up in a household where his parents were telling him that he was good for nothing, that he was worthless, and to make things even worse, he had got into a serious accident where it had rendered him unable to take part in regular activities. And you know, as a youth pastor in that moment, I, I knew that there, there was only one thing that I could do in that, in that time. There was nothing in my eloquence of words or my persuasiveness in, in the way that I spoke that would change him in that state. All I knew was that Jesus was the only thing that could change his life. So in that moment, I did not hesitate. I prayed for him. I prayed for him because he needed Jesus. And why I bring this up is often because we, re we rely on ourselves a lot. We rely 
on our own wisdom, our own eloquence of wording to bring forth change. But ultimately, all we really need to do is point young people to Jesus. And as we go through this generation series, feeding Jesus for my generation, how amazing is that? Jesus for my generation. My hope is that as a church, you would hear the silent cry of our high schools of this day and age. And that we would not be quick to judge, we would not be the ones pointing fingers, but we would actually have the audacity to, to believe and to, to fight for our young people. Believe in a generation for the sake of a generation. Young person, I want to speak to you real quick, wherever you are right now. If you're watching this, whatever you're in the middle of right now, no matter what you're going through, no matter the circumstance that is currently taking place in your household, can I say to you that our God, He wants you to surrender your life to Him and Him alone and nothing else. Not to a church building, not to an organization, not to a youth group, not in an event, but He wants your heart. He wants your heart. And you know, as I stand here this morning preaching to you guys, I stand here as a living testimony of what God can do in the worst of the worst. And you know what? I really believe He can do the same in you this morning. The title of my message this morning is called Bring the Youth to Jesus. Bring the Youth to Jesus. The scripture I'll be preaching on this morning is in Mark chapter 9, verses 14 to 29. And it's titled, Jesus Heals a Boy with an Unclean Spirit. Some translations say a demon-possessed boy, actually. But hey, this is what it says in verse 14. Let's read. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell into the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he he's dead. But Jesus, everybody in the comments right now say, but Jesus took him by the hand and left him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind 
can come out only by prayer. How good is that, hey? The first observation I want to make, and I'm going to make three observations throughout this message. The first observation is this, that the child's condition compelled Christ. The child's condition compelled Christ. How's that for alliteration, hey? I want to quickly share something. Have you ever been hungry? Or better yet, have you ever been hangry? Hangry being hungry and angry together. I'm sure you know what that is, right? <laughs> I remember there was one time for me where I was not in a good place. For me, what makes me really grumpy is when I'm tired and also when I'm hungry. Uh, I guess you can call it hungry, right? <laughs> But I remember there was one time where I was serving at church and I was, I was on my way home and I was absolutely hungry. I was also very tired and I, as a result, had the jitters. I was just, I'm driving home just like, oh man, I need to get some food right now. And uh, I don't know if that's a medical condi condition or anything. And if it is, let me know right now in the chat because... I, yeah, I, all I knew in that moment was food in here right now, okay? And uh, I remember getting home, rushing home, opening the door, rushing to the kitchen, sitting down, and, you know, Ruth had already prepared me a meal. I downed that meal within a couple of seconds. I don't even remember how long it took for me to eat it. I don't even remember what that meal was because I was so hungry and so tired that I just needed to, you know, fill myself up and God bless my wife. She knows what I need when I need it. And I, I remember as soon as I finished eating, I, I, I had a sigh and a relief and I was like, oh, that's what I need. And I turn around and Ruth is there sitting next to me and she's like, are you, are you feeling better now? Are you feeling better now? Oh my goodness, I, I'm so blessed. Shout out to my amazing wife, Ruth. But you see, it was my condition that propelled her to serve me. Evidently, in the scripture, we see a boy. He's seized from birth by a demonic spirit. Just imagine that. From birth. And the word that is used here for seized is described as to take or to overtake or to arrest. And clearly, it has robbed this poor boy of his speech and has caused him to have these episodes of epilepsy and these convulsions. And now I want to I want to make something real clear right now because I know this is streaming live. I want to make something real clear. When a demonic possession ever occurs in the Bible, when it's manifested, it always occurs for the same purpose, it, and it is to distort the image of God in man. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, the person that you know who is epileptic or, um, you know, is, is um, deaf or mute is, is demon-possessed. But the enemy is always trying to distort the image of the Creator in His creation. It's like, you know, nowadays we're in stage 4 lockdown and Mr. Dan the Man is making sure we are all wearing our mask and... Man, how much of a hassle is it now to go out when you go your grocery shopping and when you're trying to unlock your phone, your phone won't even recognize your face anymore because our face is distorted and we're not able to unlock our phones to do what we need to do. Man, I got to put my six-digit pin in order to unlock my phone. 
Like, why would you do that when you got face ID? Oh man, the woes of 2020, right? Oh man, but you know, it's this idea that our identity is being distorted. And that's what I'm trying to get across there. And when I look at this account in Mark, it's important for us to understand that, you see, the distorted condition of the boy, we need to understand that because for it was his condition, now get this, it was his condition that propelled Jesus to serve him. It propelled Jesus to show compassion and to deliver this boy from what he was going through. And likewise, we have a generation right now of young people who have a certain condition, who have a certain uh, distorted perception of who Christ is. And it's stopping them from unlocking, pardon the pun, stopping them from unlocking what God has for them. When we rely on the world to form our identity, we become enslaved by the world. So I want to ask young person, what have you been enslaved by? What have you allowed into your life to seize you, to overtake you, or to arrest you? What is it? And I know something's coming to mind right now. And maybe that's God trying to reveal something to you that He wants to, to take out. Because it's, it's actually that very thing that seemingly has overtaken your life that actually God wants to, to enact and has actually mobilized God to enact His mission and a rescue plan to save you. See, Jesus is full of love and compassion, saw our condition and suffered for us so that we wouldn't have to suffer ourselves. Isn't that amazing? That's the God that we serve. So that we wouldn't have to suffer an eternity without Him. The Bible says where there is sin, grace abounds. In other words, you may have sinned a lot. You may have you know, grown up just living a life away from God and, and living by your own accord. But hey... The Bible says that God loves you even more. He loves you and His grace abounds. At that cross, Jesus says, bring it to me. He says, your depression, bring it to me. He says, your lustfulness, your insecurities. He says, bring it to me. He says, you know, your anger, your pride, whatever it is, He says, bring it to me. And you know what He does? You know what He does? He, he puts it on Himself. He puts it on Himself just for you. So that you may have life and life in abundance. That's such good news, isn't it? It's amazing news that our God would do such a thing for us. So broken, so sinful, but yet His grace and love abounds. Now's not the time to, to look at your condition. Now's not the time to, to look at your circumstance. Because you know what? Jesus... He's already seen it. He sees your condition. He sees your circumstance. And He's already paid the price for it. All He requires now is for you to look to Him, to trust in Him, and to put your faith in Him. Amen? The second observation that I made throughout you know, reading that scripture was that Jesus, He was so upfront about the perpetual nature of sin. And by that, what I mean is that Jesus, He angry reacted. Jesus angry reacted. You know, if you're on Facebook right now, actually, I want to encourage you, just keep pressing that angry react emoji. We want to see all these angry react emojis just so we know that you're paying attention, okay? <laughs> um, but you see, Jesus, he was using language and an expression uh, to show how sick of it he is. 
You know, in that language, we see in that particular extract where he says, Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? He's, he's just had it. And speaking of just having it, man, can I say, I'm just going to be real for a sec. I am very pedantic when it comes to everything being in order and everything being neat and tidy. And that doesn't go well when you have a two-year-old who is an absolute, you know, he just loves making mess. And there comes a point in a, in a father's life where you're just like, nah, I've had it. And, you know, you want the kid to clean up, but he won't because he's two, right? So i got to do it myself. So here I am, I'm cleaning his Lego, putting it back in the box, but turn my head, he's taking twice as much as I'm putting back in. You know, oh, faithless generation, right? Come on now. All the parents in the chat right now are saying, amen, amen, amen. Oh, man. Amen. <laughs> and, you know, it's just a, it's a perpetual cycle. You know, it's just over and over again. <laughs> uh, pray for us, right? Pray for me. <laughs> but, but that's the point, isn't it? That's the point I'm trying to make here is that there is something in us as human beings, in our nature, that will constantly fail that will constantly fall short you see jesus he expresses himself in that way to portray how hopeless we are on our own to portray the hopelessness of man and to illustrate how much we need him like a child who, who never listens to their parent how much they need their father <laughs> yeah in the scripture we see the disciples were trying by their own methods to um, cast out this demon. And what did we see happen? That's right, nothing. Nothing happened. And young people, you know, don't get me wrong, get good grades, you know, get a good job, um, do well in school, all that stuff, right? That's great things to be achieving in life, but you know, you'll get by, but then what? You'll, you'll get by, but then what? And you see, eternity is just a blink away. Eternity is just a blink away let that sink in because you see our faith is being placed in all these other things where is your faith right now young person where are you placing your faith in because we if we look at the account that we see in that scripture it's clear to say that it's not the amount of faith that matters it's not the size of the faith that you have that matters but it's the object of your faith where are you placing your faith in? The difference between the father in that story and the disciples is that the father humbled himself and asked Jesus for help. He said, take pity on us and help us. And the disciples who, you know, they're supposed to be the closest people to Jesus, decided to do things on their own. And Jesus, he goes on to say, he says, everything is possible for one who believes. And I'm not asking you to believe in Jesus so that you can get good grades, get a good job and have an amazing life. That's not what I'm saying here. But as we see unfolding in the scripture, in a seemingly desperation, a hopeless father put his faith and trust in Jesus, in the only one who could bring forth restoration. He was desperate. And he knew that it was his only way out. 
I don't know who needs to hear this this morning. I don't know who's tuning in the chat or who's watching this stream, even post-service. But I want to tell you this morning that God, He knows what you're going through. He knows you. Yes, you. You're watching this right now. He knows every intricacy about you. He knows the hairs on your head. He's numbered them even. And He, know, he knew you before you were born. And you know, because He knows you, He knows what is best for you. And He knows what needs to be done. But you know, it requires us to put our faith in Him first. What we need to understand is that initially the scripture, when we're reading it, only makes mention of the boy being mute to begin with, doesn't it? And you know, mute being robbed of the ability to speak. But Jesus in His omniscience, man, Jesus is so cool, isn't He? Jesus in His omniscience commands not only the mute spirit to leave, but He also distinctly calls out a deaf spirit to leave. And you know, why I really love this is sometimes we're so uh, accustomed to one of the things in our lives that needs to be addressed or one of the flaws uh, in our lives that we're so just so focused on that we don't realize that there are other things in our lives that Jesus actually wants to get rid of. And you know what? By name, when we give our life to Him and we put our trust in Him, He's going to call it out by name. He's going to say, mute spirit leave. He's going to say, deaf spirit leave. And I'm believing that this morning, as you put your faith and trust in Jesus, hey, that He's going to be working a miracle in your life. He's going to be doing some heavy pruning, so to speak, in order to bring wholeness back into your life. You know, God is a God of compassion. He truly is. But to show compassion requires confrontation. Confrontation of the dirt, confrontation of the mess. That's true love, if you were to ask, if you were to ask me. What dirt is, is God trying to reveal to you this morning? As I come to the end of my message, I want to highlight one more thing that I observe through reading this scripture. And it's this, to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, these are famous words from the Apostle Paul, who himself was beaten, he was persecuted, he was despised, shipwrecked, imprisoned. But even in the midst of all that affliction, Paul himself found joy. And what does it mean to live as Christ and to die as gain, you might be asking. Simply put, it means you haven't truly lived until your number one priority in life is to magnify Christ to show the world that Christ Himself is magnificent. And I wonder what would happen if we saw a generation of high schoolers give up their agenda to magnify Christ. You see, we live in a world nowadays where good grades, getting fancy cars and, and having a nice house, having the best outfit, the nicest shoes, all of this is a, a measure of success and having a good life. But you see, according to the Word of God, to truly live is actually to magnify Christ. And you see, that's what actually motivates me day in, day out as I run youth ministry and even in a position where I'm just so tired and weary, I know that Christ will be magnified through the lives of these young people. You see, to truly live is to realize how dead we are and to truly die is to allow Jesus to live through us. 
No matter how long you've been dead in your sin, no matter how low you think you've hit. But right now, Jesus, He actually is inviting you. He's extending His hand and He wants to lift you up right now. Like we see in the scripture, see this boy, he gets violently thrown around by this demon who gets into contact with Jesus. And and after Jesus himself rebukes the spirit from the boy, he appears to be dead. And evidently in verse 26, we read, it says that he looked like a corpse. But I love it. It's so clutch because in verse 27, it says, but Jesus, but Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up to his feet, and he stood up. Right now, I want to see people just jumping onto their chairs right now, just standing up and just proclaiming Jesus right now. Because this boy who was dead was now alive because of Jesus who lifted him up. There are some people here this morning that that God is going to lift up. But before He can lift us up, we need to realize how dead we are in our sin. The God of compassion, first and foremost, needs to confront our brokenness. And you know what? It may mean that we have to enter into a season of lows, in a season of valleys, a season where things seem impossible, and we're left into this this corpse-like state. We need to trust God that He has the best for us. And I want to say this, it's more than just having a a positive outlook on life, but rather it's having this supernatural trust in something that is bigger than ourselves. You know, I caught up with a friend the other day and he made mention of of this quote by a a Christian leader, a world-renowned leader, and he tweeted this tweet. And it was really profound. Let me read it to you. It says this. We are positive not because life is easy. We are positive because life can be hard. It's not Pollyanna. And Pollyanna means uh, an excessive cheerfulness or an optimistic person. And he goes on to say, it's about trusting in God, overcoming obstacles and finding a way forward. The best is yet to come. How good is that? And and really, what that means is that if you're watching this, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, it means that we actually have to give up some things in our lives that might be stopping us from, from living for Him effectively. Because you see, pure optimism isn't the answer. Having a Bible verse in your IG bio, posting scripture in your Insta story, hey, that's great, but that's not what's going to save you. It's a prioritization of your life and making Christ number one. Your relationship that you might be in, some addictions that is taking over your life, that's probably becoming a priority in your life. But you know, it's about making Jesus that number one priority in your life. And you know, you can be positive about it, that's okay. But at the end of the day, only Jesus can bring forth restoration, transformation in your life. I know it's going to be hard. I know it'll be a journey. But can I say it's the valleys that accentuate the mountaintop. You see, Christ's death and the the persecution that He lived here on earth 
was, made, was what made the resurrection even more grand and outstanding. And I'm believing that even in this season of lockdown, that we as a church, even people in our youth ministry, I'm believing that we're going to come out of the other side on fire, ready to take on what God has placed before us. Amen. And you see that boy, he may have looked like a corpse, but ultimately it wasn't the boy who was defeated. But it was the power of sin that was conquered. And you see, that's the God we serve. He, he doesn't just pull you out and leave you there, but He lifts you up so that you can stand for yourself. And when we accept Christ into our lives, we, we have access to that same power. How amazing is that? The Bible says that the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives and dwells within you and me. I don't know about you, but that's just something I want. I want that power. I want to be walking in that power. And we need to stop seeking after this worldly power, this, this um, mindset of, of accessing uh, wisdom from this world and power from this world. But the reality is we have the Holy Spirit in us and walking with us every step of the way. Young person or not so young person tuning in, I want to encourage you this morning to surrender your life to Him and, and watch what He does. Watch what the Holy Spirit does as He walks by your side, as you continue to chase after the heart of God. I'm believing this morning we're going to see even a generation of young people being lifted up, you know, making a stand by Jesus so that they can make a stand for Jesus. And you know, we can all attest to the fact that in this world right now, we're witnessing some tragic events. In this world, we're going to have some trouble. In this world, we're going to have some stress. But take heart, God says. He has overcome the world. This morning, you know, as part of Youth Sunday, I want to encourage you to make a stand wherever you are. To literally stand wherever you are, actually. I want to encourage you that even as you stand in response to God's word this morning, there would actually be a declaration that you have accepted the victory of Jesus in your life. You know, that you as an individual would actually decide to stand for the things of God. You know, if you're still in bed or still waking up, hey, maybe this is a great opportunity for you to get out and uh, die to yourself and say, you know what, I'm going to put aside my agenda and I want to live for you, Jesus. So right now, if you're standing, if you're seeing someone in your home standing, I want to encourage you to stretch out your hand because we're going to be praying for them right now. Maybe take some time to reflect on, on what God has spoken through me to you. And I'm believing that from today onwards, we're going to see a thriving church living for the King. So Father, right now, I pray for every individual who has been impacted by your word. Lord, I thank you, God, that your Holy Spirit walks with us every step of the way. That, Father, that when we accept you into our lives, that, Father, you don't leave us to die, but, Father, you are there with us. And, Lord, right now, I just pray and, and, and ask, Lord, that you would be with every member tuning in this morning. That, Father, you would continue to lift them up in their seasons of brokenness, their seasons of hardship, God. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that, Lord, you would uh, bring forth restoration and victory in their lives. And Father, even as we go through Youth Sunday, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would raise up a generation of high schoolers, 
that father that even in this season of lockdown your truth and your hope would not be locked up but father it would go forth and that your holy spirit would empower and mobilize young people god to live a life that is about magnifying you jesus father i thank you for your word and lord may you continue to speak through through it god to impact our lives and we commit the rest of this week to you and we commit our lives to you as we continue to go ahead with what's before us in jesus name amen come on right now let's just give it up for our king jesus you know it's been such an honor and privilege to be able to to speak to you this morning i hope that you were blessed um, by my message and God's word this morning. And I want to encourage you, if you're a high schooler, make sure you follow us on Instagram because we actually want to um, you know, get you connected. And you know, Instagram is the best platform for us to get all of that information now. So I want to encourage you to jump on. And also, if you've been following our Master Up uh, event, make sure you, you tune in after this because we're going to be revealing the identity of who's behind the mask. Thanks, guys. Have a blessed week uh, and see you soon.